Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Back to Christ. There are a lot of people that know God, but we are called not to know God. We are called to follow God. And there is a lot of people in our churches and probably in this church and in my church that know God, that just turn up, lift their hands, maybe pay their tithe. That is not following God. That is laying your life down to follow the King of Kings. And we are called to follow God. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of this world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Does not say no. Salvation is 5% of the journey, people. Salvation is 5% of the journey. And then out of that moment, that's when we go on the journey of change. God accepts you as you are. He accepts you here today if you don't know Jesus. But out of that uh, acceptance and out of that encounter, we go on to changing things in our life. So then we can burn for God. Wherever we go, we are the light of the world. It says in Chronicles, uh, it says in Colossians that we have the hope of glory inside of us. And we're it, guys. God moves through people. And there's a lot of people that know God, but God is, you know, our nation and our churches need people that follow God. And the title of my message here this morning is this. There is a big cost for our little engagement. And we did a series in our church called The Power of Praise. And it really frustrates me when I go to churches, and and including my church, where I see people that don't engage in worship and engage with praise. And I'm like, like God, is there a cost if we don't engage with these things? And lo and behold, I went through the Bible and I found some stories and I found some things where where people didn't engage with what God was doing. And guess what? There was a big cost for them. So I just want to unpackage this here this morning. Three little, um, you know, stories in the Bible that show people where God was manifesting, God was doing amazing things. They had been given something, but they didn't engage with it. And guess what? There was a cost to it. The first one I want to look at is Genesis 25. And we all know this story. If you don't, you can go and read it later. But it's in Genesis 25, and it's about two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And we read that Esau was the hunter, and Jacob was the cook. Esau was the firstborn, so he was born into the birthright blessing. So Jacob was going to get absolutely nothing given to him from his father. But the thing was, is that Esau could not engage or could not see this blessing that had been given to him, so he was not engaging with it. Because he couldn't see the inheritance, he couldn't see the promises, he couldn't, he couldn't see it right then and there, he didn't engage with it. But Jacob was the one that was more hungry. And you could even sort of see it you know, when I read the Bible, I visualize things, and this maybe not happen, but I just get pictures sometimes I read in it, and I see, I see their father, Abraham, sitting around the fire, talking to them about the promises, talking about, you know, their genealogy, talking about their, their old elders and people before them, and talking about this amazing blessing. But Esau's is like, man, I can't even see it or don't even know what you're talking about. But you could see Jacob there going, tell me more, Pops. I want to know more about this birthright blessing. You could just see Esau sitting there whistling his knife, just going, I just want to go hunt. I just want to go kill something. He was not engaged with what was given to him. Do you know what is on offer here to you here today? They did not have what we have. They, do not, they did not have the Holy Ghost that is here with us here today. But we sit here in church just sitting here complacent as, not engaged with what is actually around us. We have the source, the power source to raise people from the dead. 
We have the source to defeat cancer. To every problem, we have the solution. His name is Jesus and His Spirit is here. Do you know what's on offer to you today? And I can see that Esau was a lot of, like a lot of people that are in our church today. He just was not engaged with it. And then in one moment, you read around the campfire, there's Jacob the cook cooking his, his baked beans. And Esau comes back from a hunting trip. And in one sort of natural desire moment, he's been out hunting. He's hungry. And right then and then, he's cooking. He could smell the beans. Oh, they smell good. And he just goes in that moment. He's like, man, I might as well just, I've got nothing to offer. But maybe I could just offer him that birthright blessing. Because it's actually nothing new. I can't see it. can't feel it. And in that moment, you read in the scripture, he goes, yo, bro. Bro, I'll... I'll give you the blessing for your beans. And in that moment, Jacob was just like, have the beans, bro. Give me the blessing. And Jacob, we read, goes on to be one of the greatest men in the Bible. You see, for Esau, there was a big cost for his little engagement. Because we do not feel God, or we do not know sometimes what we have. Do you know what? We're not called to feel God. Do you know it's okay if you don't feel God? Because we're not called to feel God. Just because people feel under the, you know, fall under the power of God, some people shake, some people make weird noises like, whoa, and, and look, that's cool, like, that's okay that people do that, I'm not saying that's not God or anything, but that's okay, but I never feel God, the only time I feel God is when I pray for people, and I feel the power that is inside of me go out, you've got to be really careful, because a lot of people think that they need to fall over, or they need to make noises, or they need to shake to do that, to have a relationship with God, and so they start doing these things to fit in. We're not called to feel God. Signs and wonders don't follow people that feel. In Mark 16, 17, it says, signs and wonders follow those who believe. We are called to believe. Because if you base your relationship with God on feelings, guess what? You're going to have seasons where you're not going to feel God. And then you'll get caught up thinking, oh, I'm not feeling Him. That means He's deserted me. He's not around me anymore. Wrong. I walk into church not feeling it sometimes. Sometimes I walk in to go to minister to people and I'm not feeling it. Because I've had some really bad moments before coming to preach to people. I've had some really good moments where I pray for people with a man last year with 15 years of Parkinson's disease and shaking in front of me, could not even hold a cup of coffee. And in one moment, Jesus healed him. What a great day for that man. And I walked into that next Sunday. Well, I'm the man. Within months later, I'm holding a four-year-old boy filled with leukemia in his home. And I lead his mom and I lead his grandma and I lead his dad to Christ. And I prayed with every ounce, everything I have inside of me to see that boy healed. And six days later, that boy died. And I'm telling you, if I base my relationships on feelings, I tell you now, I wouldn't be here. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. And guess what? We're not called to chase signs and wonders. There's a lot of people that will just go from church to church looking for the glory cloud, looking for the gold dust. That's great. Praise God. But we're not called to chase those. Guess what? I wake up every morning going, I'm a believer. And guess what? Signs and wonders follow me. They follow me. Wherever I go, the power of God follows me. And I see miracles, not just in church, but everywhere I go. And sometimes you will not see it. Sometimes you will not feel it. Sometimes you will not hear it. We're not called to have those things, to be in relationship with God. We're just called to believe. Jacob just believed what Esau had, and he got it. There was a big cost for his little engagement.
The second example I want to look at is David and the ark. We read it in 2 Samuel 6, 12 to 23. You can go and read a little bit later. Crazy story. David gets the ark of the covenant. You guys with me here this morning? I hope this is okay. Here we see David getting the ark of the covenant. Crazy again. I sort of get a visual of what I'm reading and And we read he's got the Ark of the Covenant with thousands of his leaders and followers, and he's walking. And every six steps, he just, oh my gosh, do do you guys understand what we have right now? We have the Ark of the Covenant. We have the presence of God. And it says that every six steps, he would burn a cow and just start burning stuff and start offering things and start praising God. I'm talking about thousands of kilometers from Odebedum's house to where he went every six steps. That's a lot of cows. Imagine Lissy and Christian going, guys, we're going to Sydney, we're walking to Sydney, and every six steps we're going to pull out our wallets and give her an offering to God. Who would be with them? I wouldn't. And here he is getting home. You read it. It's an amazing story. He gets home and you read his wife standing in their house looking out to her husband going, what is he doing? Look at that crazy man. I believe the religious spirit actually came upon her in that moment. And here's David. I mean, wouldn't you be pumped? You've got the presence of God in a box with you. You're thinking you're going to come home and you're going to walk in like, hey, baby, see what I got? But straight away, we read her heart was hardened. And straight away, she went to the natural. She's like, Babe, you cannot look like that. We, you, you're going to bring shame to our name. People are going to talk about us. And I know a lot of people come into church and they bring friends with them. The week before, they're all like, but when their friends are with them, they're just like, <clears throat> so true. I was like that. Jade and I have seen 70 friends and family come to Christ. I'm talking all our family, all our cousins, aunties and uncles, grandparents, and all of this stuff. But I'm promising you here, for the first 15, I was not praising or worshiping the week before like I was the week before, before they came. I was like, but when they were there, I was like, <clears throat> blue steel. It says in verse 16, she despised them in her heart because she had a hard heart. Because she didn't want to engage with something new that was happening. David wife, David's wife calls him a fool. Why are you looking like that? Why are you doing that? That's what, as I said, that's what religion says. And I love his response in verse 21. It says, darling, do you think this is for you? This was, this was for the Lord. And it actually says that he got more undignified for her. I don't know about you, I, you know, I get visions of what maybe he did. I reckon he just like, he had those stripper pants. You know those male stripper pants? No one should be relating right now, by the way. But you know those male stripper pants? I reckon he just had those on. He just went, and he had like a leopard skin G-string on. He's like, I'm out there, babe. Woo! Because he didn't care. He did not care. Because he knew what he had. He didn't care what he did. He didn't care how he looked because he knew what he had. And I believe that's why the church is so dead now, why our church is not engaged with praise and worship, because they don't know what they have. 
And I know right now, as I said to the leadership team yesterday, this is the hardest mission field. People want to go to Africa and Asia? No, 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 guys. Stay here because this is where the hard work is. You're dealing with people that have got a million dollars in their band. They've got beautiful sunshine, beaches, batches, everything. They've got everything, and you're trying to sell them God? Noosa needs you to be here, and you need to be get undignified for him, and you need to get unashamed of knowing and, and telling people who Jesus is. And to come into church and lift your hands, it doesn't matter if you're not feeling Him. It doesn't matter what's going on in your world, but you're like, God, my God is real. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You are here. And what does it say? That his wife, because of that remark and did not engage with what David had brought to her, it says from that day onward, she never bore children. There was a big cost to her little engagement. There is a big cost to our little engagement. Lastly, the example I want to look at was in Luke 19.37. I was going to read it out early, but I just want to get through here today. But it's Jesus' grand entry. Here he is riding on a donkey. Not in a Jeep Cherokee or a Lamborghini like the man, humble ass, on a donkey. And it says that the people, his disciples, his followers, the people... We're praising Him because the Scriptures in the Old Testament, the prophetic words about their Messiah was starting to, starting to come to be, was starting to come to pass, and they, could, they started to realize, this is Him. This is the Savior. And they started praising Him. And then the religious spirit came upon people called the Pharisees. I call them critics. Every church has them. And what did they do? They all of a sudden did not like what was happening. All their attention went on to someone else and not on to them. And in that moment, they went, hey, disciples, stop them. Stop them. They should not be praising Him like that. You've got to be really careful of the voices that you listen to. Because there will be people that you'll bring to church or there'll be, you'll go home or go into your workplaces and tell people about testimonies about what God did. Even this Sunday, you'll go back and be like, hey, don't talk, don't talk like that. And if, if you don't learn to actually hear and receive, because that's two different things. You can hear everything I'm telling you today, but you have a choice to receive it. <laughs> you know, I can hear people saying, Trent, you're not qualified to be a preacher. You're not qualified to be a pastor. Now, I can hear that, and I can receive that. But you know what? I've got a choice to go, you know what? It can go in here, but it's not going to go in here. And you may, I may tell you today that you're hopeless and you're, you're, you're not worthy or whatever like that, but you don't need to hear that. But these same people that praised him, that same people that saw him coming in seven days later were the same ones that crucified him. Seven days later, they went from believing that their Savior had returned, their Savior was here, and in seven days, they listened to the wrong voices, and they crucified him, those same people that were praising him. You know what? There was a big cost for their little engagement because they did not receive what was promised to them. And you and I have a thing here today. And again, like Christian was saying, if, my people, you have a choice to receive this beautiful thing called Holy Spirit, He is awesome. And if you engage with that, 
if you receive Him today, do you know what? You can walk with power every single day. I'm not talking about coming to church and lifting you. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I believe that's why the church is not so on fire for God because most of them are just actually like crawling through the doors on Sunday because they're just living in survival mode. Because they believe like this is their moment of just engaging with God. Wrong. We're just called to come here on Sundays collectively at your church and worship and praise God. That's what this is all about. But what Noosa needs and what our cities needs and what Australia needs and what Whangarei and our nation needs is followers of God that engage with what God has left for us. Because I'm telling you, there will be a big cost. I'm sorry to bring bad news here to you today, but when you get to the pearly gates, God's not going to look and say to you, all the bad, look at all the bad things that you did. He's going to say to you, what did you do with my son? And what did you do with the Holy Spirit I left with you? I'm so thankful that there were people that engaged with what God told them to do for Jade and I. I'm so thankful for Jade's cousin, who's married to a youth pastor that picked us up every six weeks. And guess what? Took, them to an, took us to an alpha course. I'm so thankful for there because Holy Spirit came upon me on the last week of that Alpha course before I'd given my heart to Jesus and spoke to me. And he reminded me what I said to him. Seven months earlier, I was in a hotel room kidnapped by gang members before this moment. Beaten black and blue, wrong place at the wrong time. You see, I may look like I've got it all together, but my life 12 years ago came to a sudden stop. You see, actually from the age of 19, I was a methamphetamine addict. I got introduced to this drug and I got addicted to it straight away. I developed a $250 to $500 habit a day. I got addicted to methamphetamine for the next seven years of my life. I got affiliated with one of New Zealand's most notorious motorcycle clubs. I was manuf- helping manufacturing, manufacture methamphetamine on such a large scale, sometimes making up to $300,000 a week for this club. But in a light bulb moment, I saw what the gang life was actually all about. You see, money rules this world, and without a shadow of a doubt, money rules that world. I got sold. I, I, I got, you know... Uh, you know, they offered me this new family and this new brotherhood. And guess what? I, I, I sold out to it. I believed it. But I saw firsthand what it, actually was, what it was actually all about. And these guys are all individually out for each other. And so for me, laying down my life for this gang and getting, you know, not having my extended family or family or old friends in my life anymore, in the last year of my using, I became a real monster. The only sort of hope that I found in that last year, I met a, a lady named Jade. And Jade, within three months, got pregnant with our beautiful oldest girl here today. And I tell you, I, I thought that was my shining light moment, my hope moment, that the day that my baby was going to be born, that I would give up everything. I tell you how... I'll tell you how powerful the disease of addiction is, and I'll tell you how powerful this drug is. I held my baby in my arms for the very first time, fried off my face. I mean, I couldn't even deal with reality. I couldn't even deal with going to the 7-Eleven store, let alone now being a father. 
And so in my last year of using, I was ripping off people and doing bad business and no one was doing business with me and I couldn't make any money. And, and Jade had had enough of my lifestyle. You see, Jade grew up in church. And she was like, you know what? I don't want my baby to grow up in this environment. I want to grow up in the environment that I had. And so she was checking out of this relationship. And I was just trying to do one last big deal to make money for us to set us up for the future. But no one was doing business with me. And as I said, one day I left our house and I just got into the wrong place at the wrong time. I'd been on a five-day bender, been awake for five days. I walked into a hotel room. And a friend of mine pulled me straight into one of the rooms straight away when I was there and said, hey, bro, did you see that girl sitting on that couch? I said, yeah, I knew her. I know her. And he goes, she's ripped off a gang member $30,000. And I knew the gang member that she had ripped off. So I walked out of the room, grabbed her and said, come talk to me. I pulled her into the bathroom. I said, you need to get that money back to him straight away. He will spend $200,000 hunting you down because you brought shame upon his name. She goes, oh, he'll never find me, bro. Don't worry about it. He'll never find me. I said, guess what? He'll find you. Anyway, I'd been awake for five days and I needed to go home. I saw her texting and, you know, someone, and then she came up to me. She goes, can you give me a lift home? She was getting texts from her accomplice. It was actually her and another guy that had ripped off the gang member. And he was at a motel on, my, on, the, you know, on the way to my house. He was at this motel. And so she said, oh, bro, can you drop me there? And he had, like, saying that he had bought all this gear with all the money, all, this, all the ice, methamphetamine. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll drop you home because I needed to go home. I was wasted as. And I remember getting to the hotel room, and she said, do you want to come inside for a quick puff? And I thought, oh, I'll just, yeah, okay. And I remember walking behind her. She was in front of me, and her banging on the, ho- the motel door, and the door swinging open, and, and no one was standing there. And I, I remember th- thinking, man, that's really weird. And then she walked in, and then I remember just seeing this massive hand grab her gear and pull her in. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And I came around the, the door. The door was open. I came around, and I had this hard piece of steel, cold piece of steel pointed on my head. I don't know if anyone here has had a double-barrel shotgun placed on the head, but it's a real scary moment. And I remember coming around the door and looking, and there on the floor was the gang member she'd ripped off on the bed, two of his accomplices in front of me, and the guy that her accomplice, black and blue on the floor. You see, it wasn't him texting her. It was the gang guys that had kidnapped him. And because I was in, walked in with her, they thought I was involved with ripping them off as well. And, uh, you know, they actually ended up kidnapping us there for a day and a half, two days. I can't really comprehend the time, but I know it was quite some time. And, and uh, I'm not going to stand here and say that I was a man and I took it like a champ. I tell you now, I was a scared little boy in that moment. Because, you know, what? I thought I was going to die because I know firsthand that these people kill people. And we read it all the time here on your national news that people go missing all the time. And I thought I was going to die. And all the money in the world was not going to get me out of the situation because I had no more money. I couldn't call anyone because I was friends with no one anymore. I wasn't connected with the gangs anymore. I couldn't get myself out of it. But there was a moment in that kidnapping where I thought maybe I could sneak out of the, the bathroom. And uh, so I was like, oh, guys, I need to go to the toilet. And they were onto it. They knew what I was trying to do, so they didn't shut the door. They sort of kept it half open. And I remember walking into the bathroom, and I remember this little medicine cabinet on the wall, and I shut the, the door of it, and there was a mirror there. And I shut it, and I looked at myself, and I was black and blue, humpy dumpties all over my face. And, uh, you know, in, in that moment, all I could think about was that I would never see my, um, I'd never see my little baby ever again. And I don't know if you're a father here, and 
I don't know if you've ever thought you were going to die, but it's, it's not a good moment. And all I could think about is that I was never going to see my baby again. And I tell you now, no one's ever preached the gospel to me. No one's ever told me about the Father's love. But in that desperation, in that dying moment, something in that moment made me call out to a God that I did not know. And I tell you now, I screamed, not audibly, but inside my spirit because I was so desperate. And I said these words, God, please help me. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I want to see my baby again. And I said these words, I said, God, please help me. I promise. If you help me, I promise I'll help you. Please help me. And I don't remember much after this, after this moment because I was, remember I'd been awake for five days and then they'd kept me awake for a day and a half. I had no food or water. And I remember just blacking in and out of consciousness. And then I remember just coming to and all of a sudden I was in the car. I was in a car driving. And I remember looking over and there was a gang member that I used to do a lot of business with looking at me going, bro, what's up with you? Why do you look like that? You look like a wreck. Bro, you used to sit with the round table and all, and all this stuff. And I was like, bro, please help me. I just, want, I just want out. Please drop me home. And I don't know how or when he came into the scenario, but I was out. And I remember getting home. And uh, in that seven days of being out, uh, I, I came home and I was knocking on the door. I was like, Jay, knocking on the door. I could hardly speak. I was so physically exhausted. And Jay couldn't hear me. And I walked around the side of the house and found the window open. And I climbed up on a tap with all the energy I had left and fell on the floor through the window. And I remember sort of crawling and I turned on the light to our house and the whole house was empty. Uh, you know, Jade in that seven days had had enough and she actually packed up the house and left me. I mean, talk about a bro's rock bottom right now. And uh, I was just, I just passed out. And then Jade came home maybe a day later or something to grab the last of the boxes in the house and found me in the fetal position on the, on the floor of the house. And I just said, please help me. And and then I made it into a drug rehabilitation program. And then um, while I was in rehab, Jade had started going to church, which was cool. And uh, I didn't think so at the moment. And But then I got out of rehab, and Jade was like, hey, babe, um, we're going to church now. Um, do you want to come to church? I was like, you go to church, babe. Church is awesome for you. And uh, and then I, I found out later that her and her mother were really, like, conspiring to try and, like, how are we going to get into church? And And then one day... Her cousin uh, was speaking at a Salvation Army church, which actually is a Salvation Army rehab, but they had a church attached to it. And she said to me, hey, do you want to come listen to my cousin? He's speaking. I was like, you go to church, babe. Church is good for you. And she goes, oh, it's at the recovery church, the rehab place. You know some of the bros in that there. I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Okay, I'll go. Yeah, I'll come along. Come along. Anyway, I don't remember anything of the meeting. don't remember nothing. Uh, but supposedly... Jade's cousin got up at the end of the meeting and said, hey, look, we're going to be running an alpha course. If anyone wants to do it, the big question's about God, come to it. Anyway, Jade runs up to me and goes, we should do that course. I was like, what course? And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, what did he say? She goes, were you listening? I was like, I wasn't listening. And she goes, it's the big question's about God. We should do this course. And I was like, you do the course, babe. It's going to be good for you. Give me a wave here of men that you're married. Give me married men. Give me a wave. Great. Who knows that wives are really wise? Yeah. This is what my wife said to me. She said to me, you've just got out of rehab. It's my birthday in three days and you have no money. For my birthday, you're going to do the Alpha Course. Guess what I said? I can't wait to do the Alpha Course. We did the Alpha Course five weeks. It was actually going to stop for five weeks. 
every single week we would turn up, Jade would be like taking notes, I'd be falling asleep. Same with some of the recovering guys. Some of the even, you know, people there falling asleep. But on the last week, they were going to cancel it because on the last week, they talk about Holy Spirit. But the guys that were doing the course were the Salvation Army guys, and they were the captains of that, and they don't believe in the Holy Spirit being here with us. So Jade's cousin said, I'll do the last week. So we turned up. He picked us up every single week because God told him to. And on the last week, he talked about Holy Spirit. Anyway, we're sitting in the meeting. Jade's taking notes. Some of the brothers are falling asleep. I'm just looking, watching Jade's cousin talk. Then all of a sudden, he keeps talking. His mouth keeps moving, but it goes absolutely silent. And I was like, what's going on here? It's like a trick or something. And then all of a sudden, I had this feeling, this presence come over me. And you know, I've only felt the presence of God like this once. And I had this fire come over me. Like my whole body was burning. I thought one of the recovery rehab bros had just like jabbed me with an injection of like gear or something. Like, like what the heck? And I can't describe this, this voice or this thing, but it wasn't audible. It was weird. But I had this voice come over me in that moment. And it said to me this, do you remember what you said to me, Trent? You said to me, if I helped you, I promise you said you promised you would help me. I am he. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, it's, it's the guy, it's the dude that Jade's been talking, it's him. And then all of a sudden, Jade's cousin Ross starts talking, he, I can hear him talking again, and, and he's like finished doing his speak, but he's standing there going, hey, does, does anyone want to say anything about the course, about the last six weeks? And I don't know what came over me, but in that moment, I just stood up out of my seat and said, g'day. My name's Trent Memory. Seven months ago, I got kidnapped by gang members, and I called out to a God that I did not know. I'm pretty sure I was dropping F-bombs in this moment, but I was like, I called out to a God that I did not know, and I said to him, if he helped me, I promise he, I will help him. I think it's the God you're talking about. I think it's the guy named Jesus that you're talking about. What do I do next? I mean, some of the guys that were asleep woke up in the moment. They're like, yeah, bro. I mean, we're looking over at Jay. She's just like, has he used again or something? And there's, and there's Ross. Jade's cousin, weeping, bawling his eyes out. He comes up to me, just crying. And I found out later that Ross had been praying for us every single day for a year before this moment. And I'm so glad that Ross engaged with what God told him to do, to pray for his cousin and for her dropkick boyfriend. And then I came around to Jade's dad's house one day, a few months later after getting our hearts to Jesus, and we walked in and we thought it was just a family lunch. And we came around to the lounge room and we looked down at the bottom of their pool and there's a deck around their pool. And there's about 30 people there. And I was like, you know, I was a little bit still, not a bit socially awkward because I, you know, I was a meth addict, seven years around rehab, I was a little bit jittery. I remember walking up and I was like, oh, what's all those people there for? And he goes, it's all good. This is Jade's dad. It's all, it's all good. They're, they're here for you. I was like, what do you mean they're here for me, homie? Just come out of the pool. I remember walking down to the pool and all these like people standing, these old ladies, and they, they all just start crying. They're like, oh. <laughs> like tapping their friend, like <laughs> and I'm freaking out, like, what the heck is happening here? And then Jade's dad, who had just given his heart to Jesus about six months before we had got saved. And all of a sudden there's all these Christians standing here from their church and from other churches. And they had been praying for us. 
And I'm so glad that they engaged with what God had told them to do, which was pray for friends and family. Because I'm telling you, there would have been a big cost for their little engagement that myself and Jade would not have given our hearts to God. We would not have had an encounter. I am a product of prayer. That's why I say to you, do not stop praying for your friends and family. When Christian McCutton and Melissa McCutton stand up here and say, let's begin to pray for friends and family. Let's begin to pray for C3 Noosa. We need to roar. We need to break the devil's plans and purposes. No weapon formed against our family will prosper. The greatest thing we can do is speak over their lives. And I'm standing here because I'm a product of prayer. And I'm telling you, today I'm going to give you an invitation right now to engage with our Savior and engage with what God has on offer to you. You know, there's a great scripture in John 3.3. It says this, I tell you the truth. This is a pretty bold, it's a pretty wake up sort of scripture because this is Jesus saying it's in red letters. That's how I know. But it's sort of something we've got to listen to because he starts it off by saying, I tell you the truth. He doesn't just go straight into the scripture. He says, listen to me, I tell you the truth. No one will see the kingdom, of God, the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And people think that is, they won't see the kingdom of God when they get to heaven. No, it's for now. You know, we all think where it's all about, you know, us getting people here on earth to heaven. No, 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 it's the other way around. We're here to bring heaven onto earth. And John 3, 3 says, I tell you, no one will see the kingdom of God unless... You can see the kingdom of God manifest in your world every single day. That's what our cities need. That's what your friends and family needs. And if there will be a big cost if we do not engage with what God has given to us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Actually, open your eyes and look at me. I talked about at the start of this meeting about maybe you've had an encounter with God. There was a reason why you had an encounter with God. It's not, it wasn't just for you. It was for that moment. But it would, it would be that you would burn every single day for Jesus. It would have been good just to get Jade and I off the streets of Auckland. But that that was a good thing because we caused a lot of destruction. You think my story's crazy. When I met Jade, she was doing a $200,000 drug deal. But it would have been good that we just stopped our lifestyle. That would have been good for the world, but that's not why God had that encounter with us. It's so that we would go and see our family, see our communities, that we would go and plant churches, that we would go and bring hope into the world, the hope of glory. And let me ask you this right now. Some of you had an encounter with God, but have you made it count? And only you can answer that. I'm looking you right in the eyes. Have you made your encounter count? Is Jesus number one in your life? I'm talking like every single day do you work, wake up and the first thing you go to is Jesus. Because guess what? Not just the world, but a lot of the church right now, the first thing that they wake up to and go to is their phone. And you know what? That's going straight to the world. They wake up and go straight to it. It's not enough to know God to know that encounter that you had. God's calling calling the church to rise and become followers. And I want to ask you today, Christians, I want to bring you back to Christ. Is He number one? Have you made your encounter count? Only you can answer that. Bow your heads. Close our eyes. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I want to ask you these questions here today. 
If you're here today and you may not have met God, maybe you've never met Him before. Awesome. So cool. What a cool day to do it. You can talk about this encounter that you had with Jesus through this guy that got kidnapped by gang members, this ex-meth addict. And I met God that day. You'll remember this moment for the rest of your life. And guess what? You don't need to change anything to be accepted by Him. He accepts you as you are. And after that acceptance, you go on the journey of change. You become a follower, not a knower of God. But I want to ask you here today, if you've never met God today, brother, sister, oh, so glad you came today. Because the God that I know is not into coincidences. He's brought you here for this very moment. And you don't need to go through what I went through to have an encounter with Him. Guess what? He actually brought you here today for you to have this encounter here now. So if that's you right across this place, if that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity in a moment. I'm going to get you to lift your hand very soon, and I'm going to see it, and then I'm going to pray for you. It's going to be an awesome moment. Secondly, those people that I was talking to before, if you have not made your encounter count, if God is not number one, but you want to say, Trent, I need to make Him number one. I want to burn for Him. I want to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to repent. I want to say, God, you're not number one. And I want to make you number one. I want to make my encounter count. I haven't made it count. God is not number one. The things in this world are not number one. Some of you here are just sick and tired and sick and tired. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're not called to survive, guys. We're called to live a life and life to the full. There's too many believers, too many knowers surviving, going through the motions. We're not called to go through the motions. We're called to live a life and life to the full. And if that's you here today, you haven't made your encounter count. God is not number one. I want you to raise your hand as well. And lastly, if you're unsure of your salvation, you, wouldn't, you don't know if you're driving home today and there's a car accident, someone drove into you. Do you know that you know that you know that you're going to go to heaven? So right across this place, if you want to make that sure, right across this place, if that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus. God is not number one. You haven't made your encounter count or you're unsure if you're going to go to heaven. Would you just lift your hand right now and say, Trent, that's me. Here, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that. Lift it up nice and hand. I see your hand, madam. Who else? Just lift it high and say, Trent, that's me. Something needs to turn. Who else is there? Say, Trent, I see your hand, sir, at the back. Who else? Say, Trent, that's me. Here today, I need to meet him. I need to make him number one. He's not number one. I see your hand at the back, bro. Awesome. Who else is there? Say, Trent, that's me. Lift it up nice and high so I can see it. Awesome. I see your hand. Who else? And say, Trent, that's me. So, I see your hand. Who else is there? Say, Trent, that's me. Awesome, bro. I see your hand. Who else is there? Thank you, Jesus. Who else is there? See your hand right now. Say, Trent, that's me. Something needs to turn. Something needs to shift. I need to make him number one here today. Thank you right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. You guys can lift your eyes. Sorry, I've gone a few minutes over time. Before I hand it back to Christian, I just want to pray for these, these people. And I just said I'm gone over time. And people are probably hungry. And, and I want to sort of, you guys to like me. So, um, so instead of me coming to you to pray for you, can we make it really easier so people, you know, leave here liking me so I don't take any more time? Can, can you guys come and stand here? And I really just want to pray for you here and, uh, you know, just pray for you and uh, lead you in this prayer. So we all stand to our feet. And all those people that lifted their hands, would you come and stand here? You know, the Bible says, just come. The Bible says, if you acknowledge me in front of man, I'll acknowledge you in front of my Father in heaven. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, just come out of your seat. Come out of your seat right now. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.